0: Well, hello to Woomba. Welcome to this week's episode of Talking to Woomba. This week we have a real community vibe and we chat with the Highfields Pioneer Village about their struggles, the community support, and the fantastic news that they will be reopening, but they are still looking for our support. Now, in news of the week, The cinemas at Grand Central will reopen again this Thursday, the 2nd of July. No date for the Strand at this stage, but should be later in July. For businesses listening, the increased instant asset write-off has been extended to the 31st of December 2020. Eligible businesses now have till the end of 2020 to purchase assets. Check with your accountant about eligibility. Chamber of Commerce has launched their CBD Local Produce Map. It highlights eateries within the CBD that support local producers by showcasing their produce within their menu. The maps will be distributed around southeast Queensland as well as in Toowoomba hotels and accommodation. You can view the map on their website, toowoombachamber.com.au. Base services have launched their Homeless for a Week campaign. Go to homelessforaweek.com.au to donate or get involved in the August the 3rd sleepout. See the links for all of these in the show notes or on our episode page at talkintowoomba.com.au. July the 2nd is World UFO Day and it commemorates two dates. June 24th recognised as the first widely reported UFO sighting in 1947 by aviator Kenneth Arnold. And July the 2nd commemorates the Roswell incident that took place in Roswell, New Mexico in the same year. If you're not familiar with this, Google it. After 1947, reports of sightings increased dramatically. So remember, the truth is out there. Now let's get on with the show. The Highfields Pioneer Village is on a campaign to reopen after being closed because of COVID-19 and I've got Ray on the line. Good morning, Ray.
1: Good morning, Shane. How are you?
0: I'm really well. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I believe you're in the throes of getting ready to reopen, but you've also got a GoFundMe page.
1: Yes, that's correct. We did that because Easter is our, uh, we have a festival in Easter and that's the main fundraiser for the whole year. And of course, we didn't have our festival this year. And last year, Easter was wet, so we were already down in funds quite a bit. And on top of that, we've been closed since March the 23rd. So um with electricity bills up around the five thousand and you know, water water rate bills and so on and insurance. We had to do something so we started the GoFundMe page and I think we're up to about twenty one thousand at the moment and our goal is thirty thousand. The village accountant has told us once we reach 30000 we can then reopen. If, if we open sooner than that, we run the risk of having to close again. So that's the situation.
0: So basically we need everybody in the Toowoomba and Darling Downs region to, to get behind the Highfields Pioneer Village and uh, go to their GoFundMe page and uh, make a donation and not just the general public but also businesses as well. Now... So you've actually got to wait until you reach your target before you can actually set an open date. Is that right?
1: That that's correct. Yeah, yes. We're thinking of running our miniature train on July the twenty sixth. We have um, the miniature steam train and the vintage bus rides, which will, if we have a good day, that'll bring in you know fifteen hundred dollars. But whether we can reopen then seven days a week or whether we'll just do the train day and then go for a bit longer. Time will tell.
0: Now, if the locals are wanting to have a bit of an idea of what's available at the village, can can you give us a bit of a run-through on what's to see and and do there at the Highfields Pioneer Village?
1: The village uh, covers an area of of 20 acres. There's roughly 60-odd buildings, housing, lots of memorabilia and artefacts, all from the local area my wife and I started it off some 35 years ago. The village is is based on on a village that would have have existed in the 1920s. Within the village, there are nine different museums. Uh, I don't know if I can rattle them all off, but there's the Ambulance Museum, Fire Engine Museum, Southern Cross Museum, Transport Museum, and so on. So there's a lot to see, and, and people can spend a whole day here just looking, you know. As well as that, of course, when we do open, we'll have the old Moringa Dan Bakery running. So the baker's oven runs 24 hours a day and we cook that beautiful um, damper in the oven. There's also, you know, lots of tea and and cold drinks and so on. And our new attraction is the big cow. We're working on her at the moment. The big cow? Yeah. Was was that the one that was up?
0: The Sunshine That's, Coast that's right,
1: Andina, just outside Nambour. So we moved to about four months ago to the village and it's been a lot of work preparing the site and getting the footings down and we're actually lifting the bottom half of the cow onto the footings next week. So we, we hope to have her completed before we open but at least back together. That's the plan.
0: So as well as being able to see some some historical buildings from the past and artefacts and so forth, you, you mentioned before there's there's a mini steam train. So does that run when, when the museum's open as well all the time? Uh,
1: no, we only run it the last Sunday of the month. And the vintage bus? Model T Ford bus and it, it's a lovely old bus. It's just about been on the road its whole life. So people just love the train and the bus and we do a guided tour Of the village, we travel around through the village and do a brief description on the buildings and their history and what's in them and so on. And on train days, we have a sausage sizzle as well.
0: Now, you've got a Facebook page and and a website, so people could go and visit that to have a bit of a look to to see what's on and the various attractions you've got there. Yes. Well, look, I encourage all our listeners to um, jump on board on the Facebook page and uh, make a donation.
1: Do you normally charge people to come into the village? Yes, it's $12 adults, uh, $10 concession and $5 for children, school age children.
0: See, that's quite reasonable for a day out, oh, isn't yeah. it? Oh, yeah.
1: For what you see here, it's um, extremely cheap, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, as you said, there's 20 acres and what, 60, was it 60 buildings, yeah, you said? Yeah,
1: approaching 70, I think.
0: So it's certainly a great spot to go, the Highfields Pioneer Village. So, look jump on the Facebook page, help them get reopened because the sooner we get that target, the sooner they can open.
1: You know, we appeal to all those people who have visited Pioneer Village, or been married here, or been to our train days or has had school children here to I mean even if they just put in $5 every little bit help.
0: And we can all go and have a great day at the Highfield Village. Ray, I want to thank you for your time today.
1: You're very welcome. It's my pleasure. And uh, look forward to hopefully seeing you in a few weeks' time. That'll be great, yes. Thank you, Shane, yes.
0: We welcome Mayor Paul Antonio back to the Talking to the podcast. Thanks for your time this morning. Morning, Paul. Hope you're keeping warm.
1: Well,
2: I'm making a special effort to keep warm today, uh, Shane. I uh, think it's one of those days. Obviously, it's winter time, but in saying all of that, we've had some good rain out where I come from, west of Malmerin, and it's nice to be starting a winter season the way we are. You know, particularly from a cropping and a livestock point of view, it's going really, really well. And here's hoping it continues. They're talking about La Nino, which is the opposite to El Nino, uh, which is the opposite to drought. They tell me it could be a good season.
0: Well, let's keep our fingers crossed. Now, the first half of the year has been a trying time so far as June 30 looms, and that's tax time for most of us, and budget time for the council. Can you give us a rundown of what is most important for residents and businesses?
2: Well, look, tax time, of course, is a difficult time. We all become very busy and try to catch up on all the bookwork that we haven't been doing for a while. But it was just early, uh, well, in the first couple of weeks of this month that we brought down our operational plan, our budget and our revenue statement. And this year's budget is one of the biggest we've had. It's not the biggest, but it's very close to it. This year, our financial plan is $567 million, and that's very significant. Don't forget that we're running an organisation that's got a asset base of $4.58 1,800 staff, and this sort of thing is fairly normal. We've taken a very responsible and a calculated approach to budget, and once again, there's a 2.5% increase in rates, and that has been part of our long-term plan. But Shane, don't forget that we gave away $125 to each and every ratepayer in the Toowoomba region, $125, which actually negated the the, uh, rate rise that we had last year. So we're spending $215 million in capital works program, but the operation of our uh, of our organisation costs us about $352 million. Normally, we spend $165 million in the calendar year, but this year, we've dedicated an additional $50 million pandemic response investment. And there's something like 64 projects there, and they'll be accelerated to hope stimulate the economic activity right across the region. And the plan will be that that $50 million will be tendered out to private companies uh, companies that, and will have an impact on the economy of the Toowoomba region. So overall, a big and a tough budget, as they always are. But in saying that, I think there's real potential here to help the community along.
0: Now, I, I read that the micro-grants have been uh, distributed amongst the community.
2: Yeah, look, we decided we'd also throw around another $45,000 in those micro-grants, And those grants uh, are fairly small, of course. The word micro is the operational word. A maximum of $499 to each person. There's been 147 successful applicants so far, and that will go into supporting many organisations and sporting bodies, all those sort of things around town, and give them that extra little bit. Many of them are just doing things that are, in fact, helping uh, them get through the pandemic. But in saying that, We got 216 applications and we've paid out a total of $45,547 of available funds to 147 successful applicants.
0: Now, can you tell us about, there's some committees that the council are looking for nominations on. Can you tell us a bit about those, please?
2: Council very much likes to engage with people who have particular passions, particular expertise in the community. And of course, there are two committees that we're talking about at this point in time. One is the Regional Youth Advisory Committee, and uh, we bring on a lot of young people. You know, they're very often students at their various schools, 14 positions available in the new term, applications close on the 10th of July at 5pm. We're looking for people between 18 and 25 who have a passion for the community and want to improve the outcome for their regional peers. So that's the kind of thing we want to do. Our youth strategy development means that uh, we really want to take advice of these young people. There are 27,000 young people living in our region and they need to be represented. And, of course, they're not going to be represented specifically on the council by people between the age of 18 and, uh, well, 18 and 25. But They will be represented by people who are on this particular committee and will bring forward ideas. And over the years, this has been a great success. They've brought forward many, many ideas. The other one we're seeking nominations for is the Regional Access and Dis- Disability Advisory Committee. I think that's an important committee. There's something like 13 positions on that, and until we actually engage with people who are disabled, it's very, very hard for us to get it right. If I can just take a bit of my personal journey, I had a, my late wife contracted motor neurone disease, and it took some years for her to die, and she progressively got more disabled. And I found out an awful lot about disability in the journey looking after her, I can assure you. Doors on toilets that don't go the right way. Wheelchair access, all those sort of things. So we want an advisory committee. We want people who have some real experience in this field and to make sure that they can advise us to tell us how they want things to go for their people.
0: I certainly respect your view on that. So thank you for sharing that with us. So anyone who wants to be a part of these social issues and make a difference, here's your chance to get involved. We mentioned in our last episode the Margaret Street Playground. Can you expand on what's being done there?
2: Well, uh, we're spending more money there. There's uh, quite a significant amount of money going in there. In fact, Queen's Park Stage stage 6 Master Plan uh, have been supported, all the stages have been supported by some $2.79 million that came out of the Queensland Government and $2.79 million that we put in on a 50-50 basis. Queen's Park is something that I marvel at. I marvel at the courage of those people who years ago chose not to build houses there, but chose to keep Queen's Park for this community. What we're doing there is just making it better for the community. We've upgraded some all-ability shelters. We've got barbecues there. We've got seating. We've got bike racks, playground equipment. And if you go past there in an evening, you'll notice there's beautiful lights right across the park uh, allowing people to walk through there. And there's no better place around to walk through if you want peace and quiet and something the ambience of it is just amazing. So just to walk through Queen's Park, I do it regularly uh, on a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon just before dusk, and it's a beautiful place. So we're investing in that, making absolutely sure that it continues to be valuable for this community. And uh, once again, I'll tip my hat to those who had the courage to keep that area of land so very close to the CBD of Toowoomba.
0: Yeah, look, I agree with you on that because my dad was born in Toowoomba, so as it ended up living in Brisbane. And as a young child, I can remember coming up to Toowoomba to visit the rest of the family up here. And that was the one thing that I can remember from my childhood is that I was always happy when we were doing a trip because I knew I was going to see this beautiful big park. Mm. And I just thought it was fabulous.
2: And if you walk through some of those walkways with those magnificent trees, just what a peaceful, quiet place. Ran into some of our refugees there one day. And whilst there was a bit of a problem with communication, some of the words I got out of them was they were so happy to live in such a beautiful, peaceful place. And how God-given is this particular spot? And they were in Queen's Park.
0: Yeah, I think we sometimes forget just how lucky we are to live in Toowoomba. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, lastly, there's another round of community grants available at the beginning of the new financial year on the first of July. Can you give us a rundown on who will be eligible and when the applications need to be in by?
2: Well, um, that's the normal uh, round round of grants that we put out, and there's, they max out at around about five thousand dollars, and uh, they cover the applications are expected to cover sports and recreation, event support, community support, community economic development, uh, the environment culture and art support, and sports tourism grants. So these are about economic development in the community and, and growing the community, and that's part of the business that we play. We're to determine the sport things like the Chambers of Commerce, the Progress Associations, uh, who meet the selection criteria. They're people who have a passion for their communities. They build their communities, so we want to be there beside them to help. Uh, those grants open on the 1st of July and the applications must be lodged by the 1st of August. So okay. there's a, there's a time frame. It opens, in the, uh, opens on Wednesday next week and on the 1st of August they close.
0: Okay, so basically got a full month to get their applications in. Absolutely. Thanks, Paul. It was great to chat again. Look forward to talking to you next month.
2: Yeah, great. Thanks for what you're doing and this is one way of getting a very positive message out about this wonderful community that we
0: are so blessed to live in. What's on? Local team Eat Digital are running an online session called Facebook Ads That Work, 30th of June at 6pm for anyone interested in learning about this. Check their Facebook page for event details. Four Brothers Brewing are holding their belated fourth birthday event, Grilling in the Name of It. Strict restrictions apply with four sittings from 11am on Saturday, the 4th of July. Again, check out their Facebook page to book. Remember, the Toowoomba farmers markets are on this Saturday from 8am under the windmills at Cobben Coe Museum. And on Sunday from 6am, the Toowoomba PCYC markets at the PCYC Toowoomba. Well, that's it again for another week, and that wraps up our first series. Thank you to all those locals who have been our guests in the first half of what has been a very strange year. See you again next week when Series 2 begins and we navigate our way through the second half of 2020. Please share, subscribe, and reach out if you have a story to tell. Enjoy your week. Take care. I'm Shane. See you around Toowoomba.